A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're cold. Getting to know you, having a good nose about you. Having a gander, looking at what makes you tick. Hello everyone, good evening and welcome back to Propaganda. Yes, myself and Canon Tanlin have come back for another series where we sit down with other West Ham fans and have a propaganda. Yeah. Are you doing As it? requested by, I think it was Paul, Lincoln Paul. Oh, was it? Well, Paul Towers. I don't know oh. if anyone knows him by that name. Well, but... Lincoln Paul, Paul Towers. Thank you very much. <coughs> Paul T, I think I know him as. So. Paul T. Paul T. Talking of Paul, yeah. let's link it up. Oh, that, that's fantastic. You've done well there. You're like, I'm oh, all right. yeah. professional. That's <laughs> a professional. Isn't it? This is going for a BAFTA, this one, I'm telling hey. you. Yeah, or, or NAFTA. Um, as, as we'd probably get. Uh, but we are joined by a published author and a West Ham blogger. And his name is Paul Brand, also known as Chester Hammer on Twitter. Good evening, Paul. Good evening. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Oh, <laughs> I won't go into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's just get on. Right. So the, the premise of the show is that we talk about you yourself and your relationship with West Ham and yeah. we'll we'll also uh, plug a bit of your book now for people interested I'll quickly go the book was called Fortunes Always Iding it's from Stratford to Seville so it starts back in 2015 and goes up to date and and the one bit I'll read is a football season ticket is one hell of a commitment it's okay if you guarantee the good times sexy football and three points a la Man City but supporting a club of West Ham stature is a marriage of convenience. Cool. How's that marriage doing, Paul? <laughs> oh, it's gone through better times. Bit of a rocky patch at the moment. Yeah, you're in it? the f- you're in the fucking spare room with this marriage already, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got to take you all the way back to the beginning. Um, in your book, you do outline. So, ah, but I'd want you to tell us what was it about West Ham. That you thought that's the team for me. Well, I, I wish it was kind of like one of those um, light bulb moments, but it was simply conversation with my old man, who, as I mentioned in the book, he's actually a Fulham fan. So I've broken the family allegiance, but um, he moved over from South London to East London. Um, I grew up in Upminster, which is West Ham territory. 
and he got me into football, took me over the local um, team playing Sunday League. And um, it was probably around about the age of six, seven, maybe. Simply had the conversation, who's my local team? And um, as I outline in the book, <laughs> he could have really stitched me up and said Hornchurch or Dagenham and Redbridge yeah. or one of those others. And fair enough, I'd have probably followed that. But he, You might have been happier. I might have been, because there's a lot to be said for the community of those little clubs. Absolutely. But um, he said probably through gritted teeth, West Ham. And that was it then, just in my head. It's like, okay, your local team is who you support. And that's who it's going to be. Now, probably said it through gritted teeth, because he still claims that uh, 1975 Cup final was the worst of his life. Worst day of his life, I should say. Yeah, probably. And I can kind of relate to that after 2006. <laughs> All right. At least, at least so, that unites us. Yes. So what, what that brings me is, is obviously now we've got to, we've got to, you know, divulge your age, um, which obviously if if um, you're six or I, seven, now obviously in the book you're born late 1980, so I'm guessing now you're 42 then. Yep, well, I apologise to everyone, but I do feel like I must be a bit of a jinx on West Ham because obviously born late 80s, so I just missed the last major trophy. Um, Started following, like I said, if I was six or seven, would have been probably the end of the 87 season. So I think I just missed our best league finish. And yes. (laughs) <laughs> so you did you did we come at the wrong that. time sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always, I've always thought so what are your first memories of West Ham so you've obviously you've missed obviously you're not going to remember the cup because you was just still hanging around inside your mum the coin of phrase yeah, yeah. Um, at your pop at the end of the year we're still reigning FA Cup holders though only to last another month before Wrexham knocks us out in 1981 January um, if you didn't know that you, you miss out 85 86 as you say which is west ham's best ever year yeah i i think this just kind of continues the uh, the idea of me being a jinx because i reckon the time i came in was uh, the dying days of john lyle yeah because one of the first things i remember is um lou macari stepping in right okay and it actually comes down to we were out somewhere and um, oh, this is Shamai as well. Was he involved in the court case? He was. Yeah. He was around that time. And yeah, we were out somewhere. And I remember that someone coming out of court. Oh, I don't even know where I was, somewhere in London, out for the day with my mum. And um, there were there was chatter going around that it was Lou Macari. I was like, oh, oh, where, where? Um, don't think it was, quite frankly. <laughs> but that's kind of lodged in there as one of my first memories and then there's the early games I think saw us play Swindon and Bristol City so not exactly outings that would have grabbed a, a young impressionable mind but I stuck with them anyway can you can you remember what it was like 
the first time. So you, obviously, growing up in Upminster, it is your local team, but um, technically, I suppose I could class you still as an out-of-towner. Um, oh, yeah, you, yeah. You, you don't get to see the ground. What's it like when you see the ground, when, when you go to a game? So who, who takes you to the game then? Your dad? Yeah, it would have been my dad. <laughs> the Fulham um, fan takes his son, still choking on Alan Taylor. Yeah. Uh, and he, <laughs> and he... It's past the power of the child, isn't it? Yeah. And I've said, I think I got away with it because at that period in time, Fulham were languishing down in the, the bottom division. So uh, it was, I think, painful for him to take me over there as well, which came later. He did try and turn me, but not for turning by that point. So, yeah, I, I remember being kind of overawed, as I think most people are, little ones going to a game for the first time, absolutely surrounded by the crowds. Yeah, it all seemed, I think, coming from Upminster as well, that little walk down Green Street seems like a, another world, really. Yeah, I'd imagine from Upminster, it was still early nine, late 80s, early 90s, Upminster was still um, quite genteel. Yeah, um, it's it's very much middle class to yes. working class environment. So yeah, it's quite quite strange, overawed by it, but also kind of gripped by it as well. Who were we playing this day? Your your first game? Do you remember? Oh, like I said, I know that first season when I went to a couple, it was either Bristol City or Swindon. I can't remember right. which one would have come first. I just remember them as the the first two. I don't know if I could tell you the score. I think I think we won the first one one nil. So you could probably Google which one of them it was. Hazy <clears throat> yeah. memories showing my age. What um when so I mean obviously you reliant on your dad. Your dad not being a big West Ham fan. <laughs> I doubt he was too keen to take you a lot. We- I, I think he took me to the Swindon one because his mate was up from Swindon and supported them. So it was a it was a jolly frim probably. So you're growing up as a West Ham fan. Now, when do you start going games regular at all on your own? No, I point out in the book that I could never really afford to be a regular. I know we've pointed out Upminster's a a very middle class area, but I was free school meals through my early teen years, and um, then I buggered off to Warwick for a few years so I've, I've always been an irregular I have to say but at some point you uh you don't move local to the ground yeah after graduating so um met the missus uh, at Warwick University and managed to convince her because she's a Liverpool lass managed to get her down south um she was training to be a teacher, so it was a fairly easy argument because I was trying to start a career in media at the time. So it was a case of, well, you can be a teacher anywhere. Um, if I'm going to get a media job, I need to be down in London. So she moved down to where I was, and then we needed somewhere affordable, and that was one of the great things about East London at that time. It was... Uh, affordable accommodation so we started off the flats right behind west ham station (laughs) what the man of the man the man of buildings uh, jack clow road oh right yeah i know jack clow road yeah Yeah, those (laughs) flats there 
And um, um, I don't know if you know that. That's where the Kerbishleys lived. All right. That's uh, um, in the, in the fifties and sixties. That's where the right. Kerbishley family came out of. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm trying to dress it up. Not the most salubrious part of no. of, <laughs> of of Canning Town. Um, it, it's one of the roughest, I would say, which is quite a statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when it came to actually getting on the property ladder. Um, again, this is <laughs> this is tied into the Olympics. You might have thought this had put me off it, but um, we had a place in Stratford under offer, and being naive first-time buyers, when that offer was accepted, we appointed a solicitor and thought, "That's it now. It's all going to go through." Um, having not heard anything for a few weeks, we got in touch and said, "Look, what's going on? What do we need to do?" Um, solicitor chased a few things up and came back and said, ah, oh, it's fallen through, you've been gazumped. It's like, how's that happen after an offer's been accepted? What's going on there? Dodgy dealings. And um, in the meantime, they'd announced that East London would be hosting the 2012 Olympics. Oh, yes. And when we <laughs> when we went back, I was going to say when we went back on right move, but it wouldn't have been right move back then, would it? When we next looked in the estate agent's windows, everything around that Stratford area had gone up about ten or twenty thousand pounds. Yeah. So it was a case of right, where else can we look around Newham Tower Hamlets? And that's what took us to um Canning Town, which was a, a little ex council masonette on Edward Street, just off Barking Road. Yeah, I know it. And yeah. did you work in the media pool? In the end, or <laughs> um, not exactly. No, <laughs> I, I, I fell into a job in music publishing because um, music's always been a, a love of mine. And yeah. I was just to be honest, um, came out of university, just did temp jobs for a year, just trying to get my foot in the door somewhere. Yeah, um, and eventually the door I got into was for the Performing Rights Society. Right, you look after the rights of um, songwriters. Yeah. So I started there in a an admin job and then progressed on to um I worked as a licensing consultant on the T V side. Hmm. So I used to account manage companies that they might have been basically anyone making something for Channel Four had to uh, negotiate the rights and so I'd help them out with that. So hmm. not a not a bad job other than the fact that my manager was a Millwall fan. Um, oh. nice, nice bloke, but it was a bit of a barrier to <laughs> the relationship initially. Um, did your wife, out of curiosity, this question, did your wife work in a school in Durham as well? Didn't oh, gosh, she worked at a few. Um, she worked around a few Redbridge schools, I think it was more her stomping ground. She didn't fancy roughing it then. <laughs> <laughs> Redbridge, I suppose, is in between yes. you and the neighbouring, yeah. isn't it? So. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, See, so you live. You, you're now immersed in the area. Um, how does your match attending go? Is it still a struggle, or it is still a struggle? Yeah, because mortgage comes first, unfortunately, which is annoying when literally walking distance from the ground. Yeah, but yeah, still very much reliant on TV to. My West Ham fix. When when was the blog? The blog. When did you you then 
move on to the because what came first the book is basically from your blogging it's your the blog, yeah so when did you start thinking i'm going to start a blog that was basically when i moved up north um i didn't think anything would ever take me out of london to be honest i mean university aside took me out for a few years but mm. i always thought i'm a londoner there's no better city is there um <laughs> but after um bringing the wife down to East London and subjecting her to some of the things around Canning Town. Um, <laughs> when it when it came to uh, moving on to the next stage of life, starting a family, uh, by which point I had myself retrained as a, a teacher. So that whole argument of, well, you can do that anywhere, can't you? That came back to bite me. And... Um, <laughs> I had to concede that there were cheaper parts of the country where it would be better to to bring up a family. So hence, uh, we came to the northwest, and Chester was literally the only place we could agree on. A uh, uh, rather nice part of the country. Having been to Chester, um, I'll tell you off air the day I went there and what I was doing. Um, but yes, um, I, it's a big jump from Canning Town, uh, Chester. I must admit. You say that, but in, t- in terms of house prices, the um, sales price of our two-bed ex-council maisonette, and um, we bought a four-bed terraced house for just a little bit more. Wow. Okay. So that does surprise it's, me. It's a different environment, but yeah. in terms of what you can get, then they're, you know... So now you're an expat from a distance. I am, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what brought me to blogging so well actually that was one big life change and then I suppose the other thing that allowed me to or not allowed me but prompted me to do it was having the time on my hands which as a teacher you genuinely don't have much time on your hands um but then I got not <laughs> having just moved up here and just started the family I got knocked out of the profession by a motorcycle accident so um in recovery period from that was when I started blogging. So with the book, um, Fortune's Always Hiding, it, it, you, you start with year zero, 2015, 16. Is, is that when you, you, your blog starts in? That's when I started blogging, yeah. It's literally, I mean, it's been edited with things taken out to condense it down yeah. to the publisher's word count. But um, yeah, that is it. The first entry was my starting point. I mean, that, that sort of understands, because the, the, the bit on the first page was, the Gerard equaliser in injury time of 2006 FA Cup final remains the most pain, <laughs> painful moment of my life. And you qualified Apsan, and I happened to need airlifting to hospital earlier this year. So, obviously, you, that was when you <laughs> accident. It must have been a bad motorcycle accident then. Yeah, I got can't tell you I know anything about it because oh. um, I'm literally, I was literally blank for a week. I have no recollection of it. Um, my last memory is walking out the door with my keys, having just said goodbye to the the wife who was breastfeeding the little one upstairs in bed when I left. At least um, you can't have nightmares about it, can you? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. no. Um, my... Look on the bright side, Paul. Yeah, I mean, you know me. <laughs> it it was certainly life-changing and i struggled to see the upside at the time 
Yeah. But, um, looking back, having got me out of teaching career into different things, allowed me to spend more time with the kids and allowed me to get into writing, leading to, to the book, which I never thought was going to happen. So there's always... Always look on the bright side of life, I guess. Yeah. Quote the Pythons. So, Nigel tells me from your book that he's reading that you were pro-move. So how does that happen? With with you living so far away, how do you... Why would you be pro-move? How do you sense a, a preference to move when you are so remote from the situation. Why would yeah. you... What was going um, through your mind at the time? I guess... Because I don't suppose you feel like you have much to lose. Well, yeah, there is that element of detachment, isn't there? And I, I make the case in the book that I can't compare my experiences of West Ham with someone who'd been a season ticket holder for the previous however many years. They would be more as attached as I might have felt to Upton Park. I wouldn't have had the same level of attachment as someone who's been sat in the same seat mm. every fortnight for who knows how long. Mm. So I guess the um, reasons for being pro-move would be the argument that was advanced at the time in terms of it will allow us as a club to progress and compete with the bigger boys. Um, I think there was also an element of... Um, an attachment to the other part of East London. So I suppose it's a question of legacy and the changing face of the East End because the whole Olympic argument was that we're going to take areas of great deprivation, such as Newham and uh, Tower Hamlets, and we're going to bring this event to them and you will see the ripple effect and how it improves the area. And how do you um, feel about I, all of that now? I suppose we, at the time, I thought, well, that's good. It's raising us to a new level. But, of course, there are downsides of the whole gentrification process as well, aren't there? Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to heading back home at Easter time. I'm going to take the boy and take him for a little tour along Barking Road, take him in the bowling and a bit further down. But I can guarantee... His favourite part of it is probably going to be that Silvertown cable car. So it's a a changing area, isn't it? Which, of course, traditionalists are going to have problems with that. And I totally understand those feelings. Um, I think at the time living there, I saw an upside to East London being developed. And... I think it's in the book somewhere. I talk about going for a run along the Greenway, which I used to do regularly. And I literally saw that stadium coming up, rising up out of the ground. And that always filled me with a sort of sense of pride as to this is the future, this is what's going to be. And I, I liked West Ham having a part of that. So I bought into the, the Olympic legacy. Uh, no denying that. Um, and I think what's happened since is that the Olympic legacy has been, <laughs> has been rather trashed um, in terms of the stadium now is a bit of a hotchpotch. It's an in-between 
Um, I will also kind of confess that I'm a big athletics fan. So my last few weeks in London, because um, I literally moved during the 2012 Olympics, um, and the last few days there were spent going to Olympic events, including uh, the morning of Super Saturday in the stadium. And then my very last night in London was seeing uh, Usain Bolt uh, running in the stadium. And so I think I kind of developed that romantic attachment to it before West Ham had even moved in. Um, so you'd been to the stadium... Yeah. Well, well, and so I'd imagined um, that whetted your appetite. From from my point of view, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good I, way of I, I was it. determined um, to not not set foot in that stadium um, in athletics mode. Uh, I, <laughs> I actually went to Olympic uh, sport, but believe it or not, I went to Wembley to watch football. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was determined to take part in the Olympic Games. You know, it was on my doorstep as such, but funny enough, I, I'd, um, by that time, I was firmly, obviously, entrenched in not going. But I do, I do get in a way um, when when they were bidding for the Olympics and they were they were proposing to to have it in Stratford, and especially if you you know you would have known the, the area of Stratford where they were building. You know, mm. it was a, you know, it was the tip, it was the tip of London. You know, you, yeah. you had the... It was base ground, wasn't yeah. it? It was, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, there was light industry, you could call it, but God knows what went on there. You, you had the, the huge fridge mountain, um, <laughs> Dan Carpenter's Road, which was in a big, it was like yards and lockups and warehouses and, and dumping ground tyres dumped everywhere rubbish fly tipping all the way round up to Hackney Wick Stadium where the dog track was that had been allowed to crumble um, so I could I, I, and the thought of having the park or the Olympic Park as a green space I thought was a great idea yeah um, and and the, the, obviously you know Paul what took me about your book was where it where because it was written how you felt on that day at that time rather than it's not mystified in a way by looking mm. back because when you look back sometimes you might soften it or you're writing it with your new perspective where here we get to see exactly what you were thinking at yeah. that time so um I've got another piece then. <laughs> so with the owners, I've, I've did like this, I must admit. So we'll cover the owners. Though I will say, I did like this. So it's done like a diary. So it, and, and this headline's in defence of the Davids. Calm down, Len. Um, <laughs> but this is what I liked. It says a pawn peddler would, you might think, face some difficulty in passing a fit and proper person test. But this risable piece of legislation (laughs) wouldn't bar Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot or even Massimo Cellino from running a football club. 
he then says, however, I put it to you that Mrs. Golden Sullivan are in fact among the most fit and proper persons around today. <laughs> oh, Paul, I've stabbed you in the front. Oh, but yeah, that was a little bit, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, so I that was written. I will, now, and this is where I do have to quantify it, people, before we think. So Paul's wrote this. We're still at Upton Park uh, a week before my birthday on the 13th of November, 2015. Must have been Friday the thirteenth. I would argue that the the golds, the 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 golden Sullivan, were possibly at the height for their popularity at that time. How does it look now? What? So when when golden Sullivan? I'll tell you. Let's start again. Twenty ten, golden Sullivan by the club. What does Paul think? Um, because you do mention Massimo Cellini. Yeah, and he was linked, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. You know what? I reckon at that time I was probably pretty ambivalent, um, bar the fact that someone had come in and was going to save us from what looked like being a real financial mess. Um, God, you uh, swallowed a lot, didn't you, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. What? Get a discorder. Blimey. Are you claiming the Icelanders left us in a good state? Uh, it was none of my business, really. But I mean, well, I, I'm not, I'm not it wasn't exactly the... their fault. They couldn't help their country's economy collapsing. No, I know, but it doesn't avoid the fact that we as a club. It doesn't make them, them too them, any, any much more of a hero either, does it, really? I mean, the same could happen to us. No, although. As we said there, Massimo Cellino could have been. Yeah, but he didn't buy it. He didn't. And where would we have. Well, we didn't. Where would we have been if we did? I mean, you can be hypothetical as you want. He didn't buy it. No, he didn't. Sullivan Um, and Gold bought it. They did. And I, I. In Paul's defence, a lot of people. (laughs) I'd always say a lot of people. Um, I, to be honest, yeah, I wasn't disappointed. No, I wasn't when, either. When they took ownership of the club in January 2010, and then the next day, I was disappointed. Or the start of the disappointment happened when they did their press conference. So for at least <laughs> uh, for at least 12 hours of their ownership, I was quite pleased. Um, I, I look, we, hindsight's a wonderful p- thing. So well, we don't have much of a say in anything, no. do we? No, well, we don't have I any mean, say. I, I think um, I, I know that was written um, all those years ago, but I still find myself defending them, and I totally understand everyone's argument against them and what's happened since. Um, but I, for one thing, all the talk of owners, I think, is symptomatic of modern football where success is achieved in the ballroom as much as it is on the pitch. And I find that um, kind of dispiriting generally. Um, I'd say there's only a few trophies to be won each season. And I think Golden Sullivan's possibly biggest problem was making West Ham fans believe that they were going to be winners of trophies. Um, which, you know, we all dream and we should be, or we should be competing. But the problem these days is with the big six and money being such a massive factor, 
it's so hard to actually reach those levels. And again, that was justification for the move, wasn't it? The idea that we would be able to compete better. Um, I feel like that hasn't happened, but I don't know how much of that you can pin on the owners because they've not always stuck their hand in their pockets as much as we'd have liked and when we would have liked. But we have bought players in who I never thought I'd see in my time supporting West Ham. Um, Lucas Pacatar, Brazilian international. If you told me as a 10-year-old we'd be signing someone like that, I'd have, you know, I'd have been in seventh heaven because at that point we were signing Paolo Futre, who could barely walk anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I get, I get where you're coming from, in, in that respect. Um, you know, the, the, in a way, if 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 I look at now, you know, the players we signed back when I was a kid to what we get now. I mean, that's that's partly the success of the Premier League. Yeah, well, I was just oh, saying, I think that's more symptomatic yeah. of yeah. of the Premier League and the money involved in football. Um, and and the, funny enough, one of the things, one of my arguments against the move was that um, no, but you can't tell what happens in the future. You know, no. funny enough, one of the things I used to write about was that that, that there may one day come a European Super League. And where will we be then? Yeah, I, I know I'm out of sync with the the bulk of the fan base on owners and stadium. Um, so the book is very much a, a personal perspective. Um, Stand your ground. I can't. I can't even remember where I was going with it. I'm sinking <laughs> in the ground. Um, <laughs> um, well, look. I, I think I got what I was going to say. Oh, speaking of books, and yeah things being retrospective um just before christmas i read bring me the head of trevor book brooking i don't know if you're familiar i've with heard that of the book remind me who wrote it though it's, Kurt Lowe's, um, that's it yes Kurt Lowe's right. and yeah ben Sherat. and again they couldn't see in the future but um that book kind of positions golden sullivan as being the saviors so it does takes them thinking oh yeah we're on the up um <laughs> but by the same token when you think about what's come before them and potentially what could come after have we ever had owners that we actually like um like say the the brats retrospectively but it'll be before my time but when you you consider what what they did yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that that is tough to ask because yeah, I should perhaps qualify it by saying in my lifetime. Yes, I, I, I think yeah because it's West Ham's ownership was was <coughs> a bit vague. We always look at the chairman. Um, so who was the chairman? So we'll go older Kearns, Pratt's, but um, they, they they there were so many different shareholders back then. Of West Ham, they were just the ones that managed to control the voting of the shares. Mm. Um, so uh, it, it was, it was, you know, it was a weird, it was a weird thing uh, up until two thousand and six when West Ham was sold. You know, the weird yeah. thing about it was the Arnold Dills family still had more shares in West Ham than any other family. Yeah, 
You know, we think Terry Brown is an owner. Yeah. Mm. Terry Brown weren't an own. Terry Brown never owned more than I think twenty five percent of West Ham. But what he did was he had the support of the shareholders that voted. So he had the support of the Kearns family. He had the support of the Hill family. And that kept him in power. So I, rem- I remember pondering, I think this is in the book somewhere, about the, the German model of the... Fan ownership. The 51 yeah. plus. And uh, <laughs> I think I optimistically suggest that Brown and Sullivan can't take it with them and therefore might like to to leave their shares to fans to create a new legacy. But then coming up here, Chester's a, a supporter-run club. And even in that situation with the board made up of volunteers, they still get a load of grief from other fans. So I don't know if any model absolves us of all these issues. Generally, the only fans that get on with the owners are the ones that win trophies. And as Man United has shown, that even is not a, a prerequisite. Um, apart from that, you know, we can see now with Spurs, you know, 20 years of Levy, what have we got to show for it? Well, you could argue, you could argue a nicer stadium. They've definitely got a better yeah. stadium than West Ham's got. They, they've got a team that finishes in the Champions League and gone of the days down Green Street when we used to sell T-shirts with Del Boy, Rodney and Grandad going, this time next year, Spurs will be Champions League. You know? Yeah, you know? I joke about that in yeah. the opening chapter. And yes, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Well. <laughs> you, in, it, you know, it's it's um, it's it's quite... Uh, it's, 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 <laughs> so actually, Spurs fans have progressed. Spurs as a club have progressed yeah. under well, Levy. Not as much, perhaps, and perhaps their own expectation, reaching a Champions League final... You know, um, what do we make? I know we said you can't talk too much about hypothetical situations, but what do we make of the um, possibility that Spurs could have moved into the Olympic Stadium? I don't think they ever wanted to, to be honest. No, I think they just didn't want us to. I think that was the idea of it. Um, yeah, because we could never prove that. Um, I always feel like if that had actually happened and Spurs had moved into our patch on the owner's watch there, then that would have been a death knell for their ownership as well. Well, well, it would be typical of uh, Levi, wouldn't it, if he was just playing us? Because he does seem well, to be able d- d- to... this is how I, I like to put it. If, if Spurs were in Stratford and we were still in Upton Park, I possibly could have been one of the most hated West Ham fans going. On what basis? On the basis it, well, that, that I, mean, I that would, opposed the move. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been on you. No, no, but people wouldn't, but, uh, uh, but in the fan that, it base... It would have manifested. Yes. Yeah. So if you look at our fans turn on other fans, uh, they would have perhaps looked at me as, a, so someone had to be right, someone had to be wrong. And yeah. I didn't know. Uh, I had a good inkling, you know. I did do my own work, and I, 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 that's why I, I, I was really concerned. Spurs, funny enough, going after the Olympic Stadium was the biggest kick in the bollocks. What I was trying to do, because it then became about them and us. So the fans were generally split. 
prior to Tottenham saying we'd like to go there. Once Tottenham made that public, it then became near enough 80% of West Ham fans want to go to Stratford. We can't have them. My argument was not a lot of West Ham fans live in Stratford now. What the hell does it matter if every other week it's filled with Tottenham fans when we don't live there so we ain't going to see them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So if you get me drift, you yeah. know, if we all lived, if we lived around Stratford or, or or the surrounding area, and we were seeing these Tottenham fans turning up at a, a stadium local to us, we'd be upset. Well, actually, only the West Ham fans that lived in Stratford would be upset, and that is a very small minority <laughs> now of fans. Isn't isn't the issue more a next generation one though? Once they're on our turf and in that catchment area then if they are able to deliver success um well there was there would always be the next generation yeah you you would always have that worry that the the, the fact is west ham lord orient let's face it um you know they've they've not had real success they've not been a big east london club probably since they were in clapton um if we're being truthful um, so East London's generally been West Ham's. Now, I, I would have thought it would have been funny if they'd have turned up in Stratford Tottenham because of the way they complain about Arsenal, they still call them Woolwich. <laughs> so um, leaving, leaving North London would, would have almost been akin to defeat. The only thing I said to Tottenham fans was that complained was, Levy's going to build you that stadium. Now, he'll either build it in Tottenham or Stratford. When you're sitting inside watching the football, you ain't going to know where you are. Because that stadium will be the same stadium. So the only difference will be the journey. Well, guess what? You all got to make the journey because none of you lot, like us, live around the ground. Tottenham fans don't live in Tottenham. And West Ham fans don't live in West Ham. Um, so, it, yeah... <laughs> What it's it's a you know it's one of the great questions we'll never know the answer to. Yeah, life right, is full of what ifs. Yes, it? Yeah. It, it, it is. I suppose, isn't it? It's hard. I, I think that's my thinking as well. In supporting still to an extent, <laughs> stadium and the owners. That is that is what is, and how can we make the best of it? I'm all in favour of groups like the Ironworks Alliance, who, whether their members are big fans of the stadium, whether they wanted to move there or not, they're all about, okay, we're stuck with it. How can we improve it? Mm, Knock it down. (laughs) Well, it's easy to say make the most of it when you're not a regular going though isn't it yeah yeah I get that Um, I mean in terms of my early experiences in the stadium they were generally quite positive ones so you went to the Um, first game um, uh, funny enough yeah, on August um, the fourth, which was the um, the anniversary of your first visit uh, uh, to to the stadium, just four years later. So you, you say the last time I attended the inaugural match of a stadium was you went to the first match at Wembley in two thousand and seven. Yeah, I'm um, we'll just get back to the West Ham bit. 
first impression on the stadium, I'm pleased to report far stronger, or perhaps I should say second impressions, because you've already been there. Mm. But there probably aren't many hammers through this construction already old such a special place in your art. I watched yeah, it, it slowly problem, rise it? on the horizon as you ran on the greenway, sewer bank, as I like to call it. Um, that uh, well, <laughs> that's what we called it as kids, Paul. <laughs> so unfortunately, Fair uh, I, I'm 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 pre-renaming uh, of the greenway. Um, so you can always tell our old people are from the area by what they call it, because the younger people do call it the Greenway, while us old people know it as the sewer bank. And I used to live on the sewer bank was at the bottom of my garden. So um, for for fifteen years, when I bought my first house, um, I'm trying to read something. That I don't want to stitch you up. <laughs> you sound like you're fucking struggling. To be honest. I, I, yeah, he I, I, says I left my roots behind four years ago, and although I'm constantly looking back, I don't have any regret, and I'm confident that the West Ham United of future <laughs> will be equally unwavering. Yeah, that wasn't right, was it? So Jesus, fucking hell. Oh, but yeah, but you got to admit, this is. As I said this was written on that day. You know, the fourth of August. You've wrote this down. This is how you feel. You've you've come down from Chester to this the first game. This is in the game. book, right? So, so the, this book has been written sort of like as a diary. No, well, it basically it the yes, blog, so it's, it's from the blog. So he's, he's, he's not he's not sat down and wrote it a year ago. This has been wrote over six seven years, from twenty fifteen to today. So, and that's why I sort of that's why that that was the hook of the book for me. Really? Was the, it was because I'm not reading someone looking back and changing it to try and fit a narrative. It's as like, it like was. Gold did with his own one. Yeah, no, yeah. but it, it, you know, it's, it probably makes you angry in places. Probably gives you a laugh in places. I'm never gonna fucking find out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, that's why I had to warn so you. When was the yeah. last time you went to London Stadium, Paul? Um, my last match was the Newcastle game last season. How did that go? Uh, it's, um, one was old, it the draw? Pre- yeah, pretty mediocre. Um, and I'll now, did back. you notice? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I, there was a clear drop off in my <laughs> my feelings um, towards the stadium. I mean, I had reservations, which are recorded in that first right. impression. Yeah, but yeah. I was kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like it's hastily been. Um, Moved from athletics mode. I didn't realise quite what a ball eight club was going to be. Right. And I thought that some of the aesthetic elements, which right. I'm sure you're big on as an artist, um, I thought, oh, they're going to smooth them out and find fixes for them, aren't they? But evidently, all these years later, that, that's not the case. So, regardless of how much they've said they've improved things or tried to, well, actually, they have said they've improved things. You now actually think the stadium's worse. Is that what you're saying, or your experience of it? My impression of the stadium is worse now than it was initially when I was perhaps caught up in an element of excitement. Yeah, of newness. Of newness, exactly. Optimism. I will still um, defend it in certain respects. I mean, for one thing, the fact that I said I couldn't often afford to go when I was living locally in Canning Town. Um, by the same token, it was bloody hard to ever get tickets because they were snapped up before going on general sale 
and I'd have to spend, what is it, probably about 25 quid on the membership, subsidising my two, three, four games a season that I could afford to go to. So I know I'll be blasted as a casual because I wasn't there week in, week out. But that whole element of bigger capacity, getting more people in, um, I naturally saw as a positive. It does bring the tourists who get a load of flack. Um, But similarly, going back to uh, my dad's allegiance to Fulham, I always thought, well, you know what? If tourists want to come along and spend their money and uh, help put money in the coffers for West Ham to develop and progress further, I've no issue with that. And the more of them we can bring along you, you weren't and there, get were you? that next generation, the better. Um, like I said, going back to my dad's allegiance with Fulham, I saw a similar process when they had... Uh, I was rapid, just going to ask you about this. Rapid progression from Al How do you... How do you... So Fulham had to move out to QPR's Grand, Grand Shear. Um, it looked like they were going to lose Craven Cottage, but they managed to keep it. How do you now... Do, is your, pray to ask, is your dad still around? Yeah, that's yeah, good. I mean, right. <laughs> how does he? He's back as a regular now. Yeah, he's a season so, ticket holder at Craven Cottage. Right. Wow. How would he view? And and this is and this is what I'm interested in as well. What how would is because Fulham? And funny enough, I'm working across the road to Fulham Football Ground tomorrow. <laughs> literally across <laughs> the road to it in the school. So how does he view that? The the fact that he still gets to go to Craven Cottage is it something you think? Mm, Imagine if Fulham weren't at Craven Cottage, because Craven Cottage is a very nostalgic ground with the cottage still it, in the middle, is, yes. with that old stand that sort of and 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 as you look along um, the road there, I think it's a fantastic facade myself. Uh, is, the yeah. red brickwork, quite special. Yeah, I do. I've took a few photographs. I do a lot of work in in, in Amersmith and Fulham, um, yeah. and I find There's myself a, down there a lot. Look out about the um, oh, I can't remember what the exact title was. The world's greatest football. It's not the world's greatest. Yeah, but, um, it's like a photographic book with a little bit of history beside it of um, the world's most. Oh, atmospheric ground is it it's it's not atmospheric it's um it's that whole idea of having something special about them but craven cottage pops up in there so it's like right so i would yeah i mean does your dad have you ever spoke to your dad about how would he feel if fulham weren't at craven cottage or do, do you look now and think actually west ham did lose something um we did lose something and i understand that loss of identification and community um i think my my response to that would be when fans refer to the new stadium as a soulless bowl although i can see all the problems with it and the issues i think surely the fans are the soul of a club and as long as there are fans within it then we are the ones providing the soul i know that elements certain elements of the stadium are perhaps not as conducive to that but i would also contest that when you have the atmospheres which i've not experienced in person but a bit like the last game at upton park when it's really good it does literally seep through the tv and we've had that in some of the european nights and i suppose 
that is what they said the stadium was built for. We need a few more of them to really generate um, those memories and that attachment to it. And there's certainly certainly improvements that could be made to the stadium, which, as the the ownership um, situation develops now, they don't have to pay that um, tax penalty anymore on the sale of the club. I'm hoping still that certainly no one's going to look back and say fans were unwavering in their opinions on the stadium, but I'm hoping it is one that can still be fixed and come 100 years into the future, there'll be a generation, well, many generations of fans who will look back on it with a lot more fondness than we do at present. Mm. I'm stretching there, aren't I? (laughs) Yeah, a bit. The only thing is, again, not to defend you, but I do remember, I remember that game, the 4th of August, 2016, my mum's birthday, um, and I celebrated it by going to the game. Um, I wrote an article on Carrot and You the next day. It was a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah, and I I wrote an article on Carrot and You the next day, um, basically rubbishing the stadium, uh, and my experience. And it was always going to be that way, though, naturally, after what I'd gone through in the previous six years. In that respect, we were coming at it from a totally different angle. Yes. Now, what had happened then was, is that I got so much grief from that article that night. It was one of them. It it was posted near enough in every West Ham fan um, page on Facebook that I was a member of. And I remember because I left half of them. Um, because what people were saying about me was frankly, I mean, the the one I really answered was the bloke which my mate did laugh at. He said, the only one you answered was the bloke who who accused you of voting Remain. (laughs) I I bet he's a Remainer, the bloke went, and I actually piped up and went, I'm a Brexiteer actually, I'm proud of it. (laughs) It was like, you can call me anything you like, but don't ever call me, you know. Uh, I think, again, this but, is one of the big issues with the stadium, isn't it? It's become a lightning rod for yes. toxicity, and it's split the fan but base. It was, it was funny how um, my, my big thing was always that when people see it with their own eyes, they'll see what I saw off the drawings. And to be fair, after that first game, <laughs> a lot of people were, were quite happy. Um, but it didn't take long for it to go sour, though. Um, Have you read Mark Noble's autobiography? Uh, funny enough, that um, I got both books at the same time, but it was your book that gripped me. <laughs> <laughs> Something then. <laughs> so, so yes. So um, yeah. and and what well, I thought actually, I'll get you in when we do this. That's why I thought oh, I want to get. I mean, it's very sketchy to be honest it's not the most insightful of autobiographies uh, but he kind of it was pre harvard i believe <laughs> <laughs> he kind of talks about first impressions being okay and it all falling to pot in that first season i had a conversation with a fan recently where he was saying if you could switch the last season at upton park with the first season at the uh, London Stadium 
would that make a big difference to people's feelings about the places? That that is a good question. It's another one of those what ifs, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because I. Mean, I, I, I <laughs> When I used to write in Overland Sea, I used to write that the, 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 the two biggest seasons in West Ham's history will be the last at Upton Park and the first in the stadium. Get them wrong, it will crumble. Now, the, the 2015-16 season is in my top three ever, which considering yeah. it's the last, yeah. um, I, I actually... I look back and think if ever there was a fitting way to say goodbye, it was that. Yeah. Um, probably best ever season. Yeah. Yeah. You never got to stand on the pitch and sing, we're going to win the league and actually believe it. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, even though that was over four days later. But um, so, yeah, I can, I can, I can see that point of view actually. I can see that. Uh, uh, yeah, I can understand that point of view because, frankly, you turned up as as the, as the club in at the doldrums. Yeah. Um. So, but they got the first season wrong, and they've and they've predominantly got it wrong. Looking um, at it from a distance, were you a season ticket holder in that first I've, season? I've been a season yeah, ticket holder. Um. Yeah. Old near enough all my life. It seemed to me that things <laughs> went. Wrong, which I think might have been that second league game there. That Watford match, we were 2 0 up. Yes, the Payette Rabone across. Yeah. Yes. It was all looking so good. Yes. And then it all went so horribly wrong. And that was reflected in the stands as well, where it seemed people started fighting. And... Yeah, that's, that's a good point, actually, because that, <laughs> it did. It, it, you know, with the move, the first fights were, were West Ham. Um, well, I always remember there was a fight at the West Ham Bournemouth game outside between West Ham and Bournemouth fans, and you think, really? What? What? what Bournemouth? Bournemouth? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was just a small video, and obviously they hadn't got the idea of segregation. They thought everybody could just mingle, and there was and, there was a lot of fights in the European game. Yes. Yeah. The, the, so uh, and there was That's a lot of fighting thing, between yeah. people standing up and people sitting yeah. down. Um, so, yeah. Uh, again, it's one of my hopes for the stadium that, as a country, we're going to bring in safe standing, and that might lead to a few improvements. All right. So we, we, we'll we'll jump forward then. Um, to. How do you? How does your son? Because you take your son there, didn't you? When you go, took him to his first game was Brentford. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was his first game. Was that was that was his first game. Right, okay. Yeah. I don't think he's any great rush to go back. To be honest, um, <laughs> was that because legacy's working well? Then, the well no, he's, he's not showing any interest in football. To be honest, um, apparently it makes me angry. And that's turning him off, which uh, I get that. Yes, it's, uh, yeah. I've got a son who don't like football. Um, Paul, um, I, I get <laughs> the best thing to do is to let them go their own way. Yeah, exactly. Um, like what we were allowed to do as such. Your dad let, let you go yeah, your own he, way. He let me go to from Fulham to West Ham, and you know what? I'd rather he has no interest in football than follows Man United. Yes, so. yeah. Take him Chester or something, perhaps. Or uh... yeah, 
like, I, I would say persevere with him. I persevered with my daughter till she was at least 15. She had to go. Um, so, uh, but that was, it seems wasted. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I think the daughter's probably a better bet than the yeah. son now anyway. She's got more of a kick on her. So, although she copies him and saying, no, I don't like football. It makes daddy angry. All right. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, still, still young. So, I'm not but... giving up hope yet. <laughs> same as with West Ham, same with children. I'm not giving up hope. I mean, as the book, as the book went on, I think it does, and this is the thing, I've been a bit harsh from you, obviously. I, don't, I hope you don't think I've stitched you up. It was just obviously no, the, the, the honest, early bit. As, as, as you get on, you can, we can sense it. your mood change. And yeah. that's the the thing, you know, Not I'm not, I wouldn't say you, you sort of sit on the same side of fence as me and Len, but you, you then start to see some of the limitations, perhaps. I um, think what I would hope people can say is that I tried to see both sides um yes and obviously I lean more one way than the other at different times um but even in praising the stadium move initially I could see the problems with it um I don't know how clearly that comes through in the book because it's, it's a long time since I've actually read through it myself um um no I think I think as as, as it goes on um, you know, I've, what I quite like is the, the I don't know, the, not the headlines, but the, 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 but you know, we get beat by Newcastle. Hello, disaster, my old friend. Um, <laughs> in, you know, following a friend to defeat West Ham. Wasn't yeah, it? Like, it was basically things are looking good. And to be honest, we touched on this in the um, last season at Upton Park as well, didn't we? In that we flirted with those Champion League spaces. Um, it looked like it might be a possibility, and then it was like, "Oh well, Europa League, here we come." We nearly cut that up with the uh, penultimate game there against Swansea. In the same way that if you switched the uh, first season at the London Stadium with the last one at the Bolin, if you switched the uh, Swansea game with the Man United game, and that one had been the the final one, it wouldn't have been the same send off, would it? No, I'd, it. it, it... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, it's it's quite funny because um, West Ham were a bit blindsided by the the Man United um, game being moved, and I was on the I was on the farewell of the bowling committee, believe it or not, on the SAB, mm. and um, I, me- I remember bringing this up to them. Um, you do know that there's there's a problem because obviously everything was focused on the Swansea game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember mentioning this group you know there's a problem and they're like what's that said, we've drawn Man United in the sixth round of the FA Cup so uh, um, one of us will be in the semi-final <laughs> we won't play um, our league game because our league game was due to be played on the weekend of the semi-final so that game ain't going to take place. You know, that, that's Fortune actually smiling on us for did, once, though, just, isn't it? Because you couldn't have asked for better opponents and under the floodlights. I I totally agree with you there, Paul. I just think the Man United, if you look at the last three games, we, which actually, if we'd have won, if we'd, if we'd have won, I think if we'd have drawn two and won one, we'd have got Champions League football. It was that close. God, it, really late. it was. It was. Um, <laughs> d- 
that if we'd have beat, you, you, if we'd have beat you know Swansea have and Stoke, yeah, yeah, but yeah. if we'd have beat Swansea and Stoke, we'd have been in the Champions League and beat Man United. But actually, if ever there was a West Ham way, it's that week. Yeah. You know, should have been the last game ever. Smashed 4-1. Andre Ayew scores that trick, who we end up buying <laughs> just to finally... I don't know why, but anyway. Um, then, you know, you get the Man United game and everything that surrounded that. Um, it's probably... It was probably the, the greatest send off I could have I could have wished for in a yeah. way. Um, right. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Let's let's bit of light relief, Paul. Let's a few questions. You got any questions for him in regards to anything, Jay? Well, just the making of the from the making of the book, really. You you kind of a little bit covered it, but when you've completed a book, do you have to sort of read through it again yourself? I'm just trying to think the couple of films that I've made, West Ham films. Yeah, um, is that what you need to do? Or because you said it like it's come from your blog, so yeah. I'm wondering if you went from the beginning and read it, uh, and you thought of changing things, or you thought, or you were you were you were quite um, um, resistant to changing things. Remember, what was yeah, the process? Was changed, the whole idea was that it was contemporaneous; that it was as it happened. And they were the thoughts and feelings then. So it is diary-like. Um, I think that's said on the blurb on the back, that it's like diary of a West Ham fan. Um, so no, nothing was changed. It was simply a case of I was set a word count by the um, publishers. So I just stripped all the, uh, all the entries out of the blog and just took out the ones that, added the least that didn't kind of work in the the narrative which was all about you know I guess leaving one home trying to build another um and that's where my kind of personal life intersected with it as well and, so uh, it, it was read back but nothing changed and now it's all done and published is there things that you'd you would have done differently any regrets <laughs> or it or is it just um, be- 
No, I, I, I always knew that some of the the opinions in there set, set me up for conflict with other me, other parts of the fan base. Um, I was kind of prepared for that. So, you know, doing this tonight is, <laughs> is good because it's getting it out there. Um, but I, I'd always say as well, you know, as a West Ham family, families don't always get on, but we've got more in common than that which divides us, I guess. Yeah. So, no, nothing that I'd change because it is what it is and it's out there for others to to take and read and relive it. And would you make another book? Are you already that thinking that far ahead, or, um, or is this, you still waiting for the response from it? Or, or? <laughs> I've already pitched another one to them, which is a football music mixtape. So the stories behind the songs that we sing. Um, obviously, that's football generally, rather than West Ham specific. Right. Uh, but haven't actually had a response from the publishers on that one yet, other than I'll let you know. So I guess it's wait and see how this one goes. Right. Uh, I've got other things that I would like to write about in future. Having um, got knocked out of the teaching profession, I do now write for a living, but it's, right. it's writing revision guides and educational resources. So, um, as I put in my Amazon bio, I'd rather be writing about important stuff like football, music and film. But, <laughs> unfortunately, it's the educational stuff that pays the bills at the moment. But at the same time, I do have a bit more free time to follow those other interests. Look, I'll, I'll do... If you, if you want to write your own article about your book, um, I'd be happy to publish it. On, on the website and give it a punt um, yeah, cheers thank you so um, uh, yeah I'd, I'd, and, and as you are a teacher and a writer I won't even need to check it um, <laughs> <laughs> mark your yeah. spellings that, that is part of my day job I'm an editor as well so, so oh good I'll send you some of Sean's stuff you can have a look through that and laugh um, <laughs> right do you think there's a time that you won't want to write then Paul now it's your job do you think um, do you think as it as no, it is your no. job do you think you do you think yourself will you start I, feeling like work no because it does for me compartmentalized I think because I still think of the day job as much more teaching related because it's all educational resources and so what I do in the evening or spare time is writing about what I want to write and that might be you know, football related, it's the blog still, it might be. I'm a frustrated uh, filmmaker, so screenplays as well. I'm a frustrated filmmaker, mate, as Nigel can. <laughs> There's a lot of us out there. You can be successful and fucking yeah. frustrated, but can't you, Nigel? Your frustrations are a lot Lucky different. Now. <laughs> you've got, you want to know how fucking private these frustrations are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh, you, you want to make a, a film, book. Paul? He's made films. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's your answer. Perhaps I don't know who's better off. Actually, um, there you go. All right, uh, Paul. I'll, I'll, I'll some quick fire um, stuff. So, what's you? What's you? you who's your favourite player? Current or all time? Uh, all time. 
Julian Dix. Julian Dix. Yeah. Why? Oh, Terminator, wasn't he? He was actually a beautiful player in terms of some of the passing. Uh, yep. Julian Dix long ball. It's a thing of beauty. As was the Julian Dix penalty. Long pass, I've called um, that. As was the Julian Dix tackle. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's great. Um, obviously, as well, someone that you would have watched as a kid rather than... Um, as a, well, I think he's. I think I'm. I'm the same age. I think he's the same age as me. Um, he must have been seventeen, eighteen when he joined us. He was. He was young. Dixie came from Birmingham, didn't he? Yes, he did. Birmingham City. I think he was. And he's 17, also 18. got a book coming out later this year. I believe. Yeah, yeah. So that should be an interesting read. Yeah, because Kirk Blows wrote his first book. His his original mm. book, the the Terminator. That was yeah. Kirk Blows. Yeah. Is is there is there one game that you could watch over and over again? Got... Um, it would probably be that Man United game. Yeah, in in twenty fifth in twenty sixteen, the last night at the Upton Park. Yeah, it'd have to be really. I've is there a DVD copy of it? I've got the season review. But I'm a... There might be. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think you can watch it on YouTube. To be fair, I, I think oh, yeah, they, yeah. I think West yeah. Ham put it on on yeah, on, on YouTube. I had to buy the um, Liverpool release of the cup final because I thought eventually I was ready to watch it again. I still have. Jesus, haven't. what the fuck? He goes see, through no, your rep. No, see, now, and this is the thing. <laughs> if you listen to my podcast, you know, we will go off on a, on a tranchion. I, I watched that um, when it's shown, and I, I do it with immense pride. Um, I, I was there that day. I did see it, but after performance was absolutely outstanding. I feel like it went by in a blur, so that's why I want to watch it back at some point, but it's just, I've still not managed to bring myself to actually do so. Yeah, I, it, I, the day went, it's mad, because I, I, I got to Cardiff early, and the day went really quick. Um, so I think I was on a train at um, about nine o'clock, I think I got a nine o'clock train out of Paddington, and I didn't get back to Paddington until half past ten at night. Um, but I, I just think that I, I do see that a lot. Obviously, I think it's the disappointment of being t- in typical West Ham fan. You know, we literally were touching it. I literally the moment at which I thought, and again, this is me being a bloody jinx. It was only on ninety odd minutes so I actually thought we're going to do this. We're I didn't even let myself yeah. think it then. And it was partly <laughs> with the fact that Gerard was limping around in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just sod slower, isn't well, it? Well, I, 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 I've told this before, Paul. I tell you, it's my nephew's 15th birthday that day, and um, he came with me to every game uh, at that time. Um, so I was inflicting my pain onto him. Um, and if, funny enough, he lives in Bury now, um, up, up your way. It was his 15th birthday, and when we went 2-0 up, I looked at him and went, you know this is going to go wrong, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, and then and then I just sat there going, no, 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 this ain't going to happen. This ain't, it ain't, it ain't going to happen. 
I mean, that Koncheski goal uh, yeah, made, I, made me think, oh, is it our day? That's, is it going to happen? Well, I don't I, really believe I it. I never thought it until they held the ball up and it said four minutes. Yeah. And I turned to my left. I could still see it now. The Liverpool fans were to my right. They were beat. They were down. They were all sitting down. And I looked at him and went, Bill, we're going to do it. And as I looked back, I didn't see what had gone on. I just looked back as Gerard just thumped the ball. And my nephew just looked at me and went, what the fucking hell did you say that for? <laughs> so, so it was you that jinxed us on that. Well, day, yeah, yeah we, <laughs> it was one of them where you I'm think, sure there were a few of I us think there was a lot of people that sat there the whole time thinking, nah, I ain't going to happen. Ain't gonna. And, I, and just when you allow yourself, yeah. It's going to happen. Well, I think this year will be different. What do you think this year, quickly, Paul? What do you What do you think of this season? Where Where are there? You take it on. Where are you on, boys? <laughs> <laughs> um, he had credit in the bank. <laughs> I think he's into his overdraft now, isn't he? Um, it's a bit like the stadium. He's in place. We're stuck with him until the end of the season. Um, I my dream would be that we stay up, obviously, and win that European trophy. Mm-hmm. And I think, God, how can you sack someone based on that? It would seem so harsh, but and it also doesn't feel like the West Ham way to do that because you know we start with John Lyle through relegations, so if someone survived relegation, won a trophy and still got sacked, then that's tough. But he's not got the fans on side in terms of the football being played. And I don't think winning a trophy and staying up is going to get them on side. And also in terms of that classic thing of, well, how do we progress from here? Having another season going into European football... With, I was going to say with the current squad, minus, I expect, Declan Rice, but with a, a sizable transfer kitty, it's about as attractive as the West Ham job is ever going to appear. So it would be nice if we could find someone who's going to, I'd say, deliver success and entertainment. That's just being greedy, though, isn't it? That's the holy ground. <laughs> it is. But I think I think at the moment we'd go back to as long as we're being entertained, then that is probably the most important thing I think to most West Ham fans right now. Right, okay, That's, uh, that was well answered, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should, should we should we do some questions, please? Um, because it, believe it or not, uh, this is um, perhaps it was the way I worded it. We've only got eight, so you might as well hang around, Paul. <laughs> Yeah. Um, normally we have about thirty. Yeah. So, but like you said, Paul, uh, you are a bit of a jinx. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm, not, I'm not much of an attraction as well. Don't let him drag you down, Paul. No, <laughs> don't let him drag you down. <laughs> I was offering myself to new and bookshops, and you know, you an author event. Do you want me to come in to say anything? Anything? Literally anything I can do. Radio silence from them. Really? What yeah. from Newham Bookstore? From Newham Bookstore. And I did finally um, get back because they read it. it. 
Johnny, we mentioned earlier beforehand, yep. said, did they have uh, copies in stock because he liked to support them? So I followed them up just to say, did you actually get this uh, earlier email? And also, have you got any copies that my friend can order? And uh, they got back to me to say, yeah, they had copies in stock, but they obviously don't want me as, as an author. They keep away. <laughs> did they enough, read the book? Know. Did you send them the book? How um, does it work? Like, I mean... I'd, you're asking the wrong person because I still don't really know how the stockists work. I've not had right. So it's the publishers. publisher that takes control of all that, yeah, right? Yeah, they, they would be doing all the supply. So can't um, you? Do they do they give you any books to sort of do your own bit of PR for it? Uh, I've got ten of the copies, which most friends and family. <laughs> right. Yeah. But although you know, I literally couldn't even give them away. I yeah. had uh, one for. Would it be worth taking the time out to find a new publisher? Or, <laughs> I mean, tell, I've got a fucking ukulele today. I mean, the, 10 books. <laughs> 10 books. Well, I guess the argument is it uh, eats into your royalties, and even they are not particularly high, I don't believe. But, you know, this the, this what comes of being a first-time author. You take what you can get. Wait, what, what, actually, just in case anyone... It, is is thinking of writing a book? So what what is the process? Did you contact Pitch Publishing? In what, what, what? Um. Yeah, I mean, from having looked into book publishing before, a lot of pub publishers um, don't even accept direct submissions. You have to get an agent first. So agents are as big in the world of publishing as they are in the world of football. Right. Um, so Pitch Publishing was. Uh, welcome in terms of the fact that they accepted submissions from whoever and I only came across them really because I picked a few of the books off my bookshelf to think right who shall I send this to so I never really had the idea of um, turning the blog into a book it wasn't something that was ever planned as such it was just that as that European season went on it was kind of like hang on there's a there's a narrative shaping here and it's either leading us to an actual trophy for the first time in my lifetime or it's going to be the classic West Ham nearly story. But either way, I was lucky to start blogging in that final season at Upton Park and here I've got something that we've led to. Um, so I kind of prepared the, <laughs> the two pitches and unfortunately it was the the nearly one of fortunes always hiding. Um, so the morning after the Eintracht Frankfurt game, I roused myself to send it off. And they actually got back to me pretty quickly and said, yeah, we'll have that. Would you consider doing self-publishing it next time? or? Um, I've looked into self-publishing before when I was writing some children's stories. And to be honest, I think it's probably more feasible now because the whole publishing industry is dominated by Amazon and SEO. Yeah. And the fact that I've got a vague idea of how SEO works now from my day job, I feel like that's something that's doable. But it's also having the the cash up front to, to get the print done. And... Um, yeah, you know, I've not got a hell of a lot of money in the bank. No. So it's same old thing. I'd probably rather have a season ticket, but I was yeah. never able to afford one of them. But either. You are, I mean, uh, you are a professional author, so should you have the bit, 
you know, should you start thinking of that really? Because otherwise, you you you're always going to be a someone else's. You know, going to yeah, serve yeah. a master, aren't you? Yeah. Now I'm learning a little bit more. It's something that I would consider in future. Um, I suppose it's dependent on this uh, first royalty check that comes through, and whether or not that would give me enough to to print off a follow up. But yeah, we will see. What will be, will be. Yeah. But I won't. I'll keep on writing and. Uh, well, you're going to have to if it's your job for, aren't you? Well, the blog's yeah. still no, going. I, can, I so... compartmentalise that. I don't think yeah. it'd be a day job as writing and such. I still think that as teaching, really. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, this whole thing, it's come out of nowhere. It's a Labour of love. Yeah, the blog was just something I do for the love of writing and love of the club. So the fact that it's turned into a, a book, that's just a bonus. All right. Okay. Um, let's, let's, questions. <laughs> questions. So the first up, we've got Father Chris Kinch, a big listener and big friend of the show. It says, "Do you have a favourite memory from all your years of being a West Ham fan?" It does give it. It said, "Mine was the first time I visited the bowling ground. Since so many West Ham fans, I felt like I was part of something bigger." You are, Chris. Yeah, you're definitely something part of something bigger. Um, I knew it was a very special place. Um, Len, what what is your favourite memory? You got a favourite? Well, my favourite memory is Sunday the 11th of May, going down there with a couple of Raiders I mentioned the other week, really. Right, yeah. Um, of course, my first game, never got relegated. Yes. Um, <laughs> we're all jinxes. <laughs> well, that was my first season. I, uh, I did actually yeah. see us win some games yeah. that season. The funny thing is, that was <laughs> I think that was seven from, we won seven from nine. And I'd only sort of become aware, really, that I was a West Ham fan um, that Easter. And I thought we were the best team in the world. But, that, you know, judging by the results, and David Cross was like the new Pele. Yeah. And uh, I turned up my first game, and we beat, we played the mighty Liverpool loss, and I realised we we got relegated, which took some understanding as a six year old. Yeah, we'd, 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 I'd, we. I mean, a big one I remember was Pop Robson got a couple against Derby. We beat them three nil. I think that was around Easter time, um, and we'd beat Birmingham as well. Um, I, d- I did about half the games that season for a, 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 a reason um, we got our season tickets but I only did after games with my uncle I was perhaps a bit young but um, I think I see about three or four wins Man City um, springs to mind but we might have lost that one I think that was the first game I went to Man City that would have been early in the season mm. Um <clears throat> Well, look, my special memory, I was the mascot when I, I think yeah. nothing will beat that. Um, Paul? Um, special memory? I think it is probably the morning of the cup final and just having a little stroll along Barking Road and the fact that all the, uh, I think we've established that you don't actually get that many West Ham fans in the local area now. No. But they, they all came out on that day. There were flags everywhere. All the shops have got bunting and banners up. And so 
it was the first time of being in the cup final for me and it was the peak of excitement no it wasn't the peak of excitement was it because that was around the 90th minute and <laughs> what happened then um but no it felt very special on that morning yeah funny enough the night the evening before um i had done the delivery in dagenham and the do had like the counter blue bank bank that i was wasn't expecting to see it at all and it was very special all that it sunk in that day that afternoon i'll tell you I um, my own stuff. Yes, Edward Street. Um, I, I think I grew up, Paul, one minute away from there. Oh, yeah. Um, so as you come out of Edward Street, I f- you would have known it as New Avon Lane. Um, mm, when yeah. I was a kid, it was part of Star Lane. Yeah. So if you turn yeah, left, opposite, isn't it? Yeah. up past the green, um, that's where I grew up, just round the corner from the ground oh yeah had um, a weird experience after the um game it's a chapter from the book that after uh the last game at upton park i went back for the final score filming and that was a a night sheet and when it finished i took a walk back down um barking road and went past what would have been your old house and it looked like somebody had randomly driven a digger onto that little patch of grass. All right, yeah. It's like the things you see in Canning Town. Oh, yeah. No sign of any building work or anything. No. It looked like <laughs> someone had joyridden it into that spot. Yeah. I don't know if it used to go on when you lived there, but when we were kids, that was where we had our bonfire um, every, every year. So, um, but yeah, and I think I used to deliver milk in Edsford Street. For if the Edward Street's a dead end, am I yeah. right? It's behind, yeah, right. It's kind of hidden away. I, I don't know if it was a pub, but it was. It was called the Raffles when I was a kid. Um, it probably it's a block of flats on the corner of yeah, New Haven Lane. I can't remember what it was called now. It, I, it's uh, it's probably it's a block of flats now, but it was a pub um, that was called the Raffles. Um, I was going to say to help you locate it, it's behind a chicken shop, but that doesn't really narrow it down. No, no, no. So, uh, oh, I've lost the questions. Where have I gone? Oh, what did I do there? Hold up. (laughs) That was not good. What happened now? Uh, Right, here we go. Right. Back. Sorry about that, people. Right. Um, right, a, a different question. Sort of, Ian Gravit, who's a big fan of the show, says, Evening, gents, top fan, I should say, says, What were your hopes at the beginning of your support for West Ham United? Hopes at the beginning. Do you, can you have hopes when you're a kid? Um. No, you just it, you just go with it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You just watch yeah. it all pan out. Yeah, I suppose my hope for most of my early seasons was staying up or being promoted because it was a bit of a yo-yo period. I can't pretend I actually cared. First of all, no, it was. Uh, um, I, I always think the the beauty of watching football as a kid is. You have no compunction of what relegation is. No. So you've got no fear of it. 
and and so it, it it if if you lose and if your team's bottom of the table, you 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 might be disappointed or whatever, but you don't really care. You go to every game still thinking you're going to win. Hmm. I don't recall even looking much at the table when I was a kid either. Hmm. Oh, didn't you, you know. do your league ladders? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to I used to fill yeah. that in all the time. Move West Ham down. Um, Are we talking about the ones that came with Sheet Magazine? Sheet Magazine, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've, 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 I've got a set. Someone actually made a set um, for twenty one, twenty two season, and I actually bought them. Um, and I've, I've kept it. Uh, so it's, it's a pity he didn't carry on making them because I probably still would have done it. Um, off, off piece a little bit. Anyway, Matty Kemp spanned our ballet roadie. <laughs> Evening, gents, he says. I'm fed up with computer-generated predictions. Ain't we all, Matt? Yeah. Nostradamus, if some buts and maybes. Yeah. So what's your thoughts? Staying up or going down? Len, staying uh, up? I, I've always felt like we'll stay up. That's yeah. just a feeling. Although, if I think about it, the more I think about it, the more I think that we could go down. But I just feel like we're not. Yeah, I know it's really illogical. Because... Uh, I, I can relate to that. I get that feeling that I, I just, yeah, without any real reasoning behind it, I feel yeah. like Probably, we're, well, we're, we're good well, enough to stay up. But yeah. we've fucked with that before, haven't we? Which yeah, is I was what, about to say, it's the five relegations the that we haven't. It would be just typical of West Ham, wouldn't it? That after the team containing... Joe Cole, Glenn Johnson, Michael Carrick, David Jones, they get relegated. Best side ever, in popular opinion, to get relegated. And we'll follow that up with an England international, Brazilian international, an Italian international, German international. What should be too good to go down is almost what scares me. To be fair, though, Italy are shit at the moment. The they Brazilians are, yeah. weren't all that, and it's the worst German <laughs> team ever. Rock, they, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I may be talking us down, but I, 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 you know, the, funny enough, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, listen, Italy have just been beat by England in Italy. That. <laughs> you know, that's how good they are, and he only got three minutes and still couldn't touch the ball. Yeah. Um, I should have said Moroccan international because they beat Brazil in the week as well. Well, yes, that that would be um, a, a big loss to us if we lost him. But I, I suppose we all we, we're all hopeful, Matt, staying up. Um, next up, it's uh, it's good old Adam Leverbarra with with, a, with a, a more up to date question that could be a bit contentious. Uh, keep up the good works, he says. As Nigel is aware, because I've been debating with him on Twitter. There's been a lot of debate on the stadium this week. There yeah, always is, Ash. When we ain't got a game, yeah. <laughs> this is what happens in West Ham Twitter world. We don't play for two weeks. What could we argue about? The stadium. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, but he would be interested in hear our views on was it could, whether an expansion at the bowling ground was enough. Whether the London Stadium was a good move financially, and now do you see conversion of the London Stadium work? So, um, oh, let's answer one each. So, Paul, I'm going to give you 
would expansion at bowling ground if the bowling ground got finished in 2004 as it should have been that was plans for what take, up to 44,000 44,000 44, would that have been enough not for Paul I mean it would have been more bums on seats I don't know how many is the all right let me put this in another way is the extra I'd argue we don't get 60,000 going to be fair and those that go will tell you that Paul we don't get so is the let's 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 be kind is is the extra twelve thousand worth what we've lost? Is is that is there a payoff there? Do you think it is a trade, isn't it? And it depends on the whole concept of enough in terms of what's the end result. Are we looking to compete with the big six? Do you or... think that's the case now, Paul? Now looking back what, on it, we... do you? Could compete with them, or the, yeah. Do you think that stadium, or do you think we could compete with them? Um, I think we can. I think we can compete with Spurs and Arsenal, as we've shown in the seasons before this, and we've been up there around the same area, and we've got a similar capacity. They've got more global reach haven't they which brings in the extra money I'm just thinking in terms of how much the owners have got to be honest because quite frankly today it all comes back to that how much are you worth Um, and Newcastle are going to be getting on that now aren't they so it's a case of is enough to put us into that next bracket and allow us to compete for trophies or is the enough to get the fans who really want to go in there, which it could be, although how many have we still got on the season ticket waiting list? None. It was a false wasting list. Really? Yep. Yeah. I'm going to pick you up though, because I don't feel number. like you've answered the question. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Do you now looking back, now this well, is with hindsight. I hear different things about the expansion, though, in terms of we had planning permission, but wasn't it dependent on infrastructure elsewhere? Because Upton Park Stadium wouldn't have um, taken that many extra fans, and wasn't there work needed on that? A million pounds. I, I, I don't know what I said. I'm not privy to club account. Nigel was. Yeah, no, the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. So, the, 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 if, if West Ham to go to, to forty four thousand, we would have had to, um, as I believe Tottenham, I think, uh, would were asked to contribute. They were clever because they managed to nick money off of Arringay, um to contribute to public transport upgrades, which West Ham would have involved um, in, in um, paying towards an upgrade of. The, of the um, Upton Park train station, and the, and the and the price put on it was, I believe, one million pound. But but that was obviously negotiation never really went down the road. So I'd imagine West Ham could have negotiated that down. Um, 
rather than upwards. Yeah, that's um, the cost of a Marque Bougas. So. Um, and um, it, 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 it's not. It wouldn't have been past the the the, the wheel of of engineers to make the C to C train stop at Upton Park as well as West Ham on a match day. Uh, the platforms were already there. They were, they were in a bad state. They, they, what, the platforms are still there um, for, at the C to C lines. Um, they're still because that was the old original um, train line that that used to run. But um, the trains um, no longer stop. Obviously, they only stop at Barking and at, at West Ham. Now they could have stopped at Upton Park if the platforms were rebuilt and made safe. <coughs> um. I'd say, I mean, it would have been progress, wouldn't it? We can definitely agree on that. Yeah. Um, it would have been fucking great. That's what it would have been. <laughs> yeah. Len, do you see, have you seen any of the, the, the conversion, the conversion theorists on, on Twitter this week? Have you seen any? No. no? I mean, there's an argument then, which I suppose would be better than what we got. That, that apparently it could be possible to um, rebuild the, the stadium internally. So you keep the exterior, but you then move the, f- the upper tier and the lower tier further forward. But it would have to be permanent. Right. I can't ever w- see that happening. Though. Uh, it is pertinent to point out, I don't know if I was just talking to Sean. Yeah or what's happening in our group or whatever. But there has never, ever been, at any stage, a proposal put in for any change to the to the stadium. No. So, any, whatever these diagrams are getting shown, they're just someone's sort they're, of, they're, they're, just no different than the kit design. It's architects... Or, or people with an understanding of architecture, right. as Adam is. Yeah, having having, I don't. I, it's a debate, I suppose. It's yeah. not immediate future, is it? But isn't there talk about um, redevelopment of uh, the Crystal Palace Athletic Stadium? And that always gets thrown up. Moving back over there. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, I know that. Brady got picked up on the lie about that they wanted to. That's not the case. Sebco's adamant that they want the Stratfords to be the home of British Olympics. Adamant. And actually, I don't blame him. I know Paul says he's an athletics athletics fan. And I don't, you know, it was a stadium made for athletics. It's a legacy for athletics either, though. Well, at the moment, it's just for the in between. Case. Yeah, seem to be fulfilling the we was asked, purpose for West Ham or athletics. But we was asked originally under the Icelandics, do we want to stay there? And they said no. Yeah. So that's how we got into the position of here. But uh, your mates Golden Sullivan Paul would have said yes to anything. Would I that... thought the Icelanders had initiated the. No, no, no there, there was it was talks, but once, once, um, once the figure of hundred to hundred twenty million um, as a contribution to um, building the f- football um, uh, and retractable seating, uh, the possibly retractable seating that may have worked, um, once um, that was put to West Ham 
Um, they deemed yeah, it no longer financial it, no. viable. No. You know, we're not going to give you hundred odd million. Um, but, but the thing that always people seem to forget about the stadium is is that when it was initially built, it was it was built in a certain way. And and the, actually, when the when the Conservatives came to power in 2010, they really scaled back on it. Uh, credit crunch and the Olympic Stadium actually lost a lot of funding um, for what it was going to be when it was built, and it sort of then went downhill from then. To be honest, yeah, you can see that. Yeah. Um, next up is Dodsey. Hello, my handsome. Dodsey's a regular, Paul. Uh, he, he talked like this because he come from West Country. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They, they all talk like that up York. Uh, you're Lancashire. Well, what are you, Cheshire, aren't you? Cheshire, yeah. I don't, can't really do. See, I always thought Yorkshire talked by breathing in. My Lancashire talk through their nose and talking breathing out. <laughs> I don't know what Cheshire do, though, Paul. They're more, Cheshire's more Lancashire way, though, isn't it? Cheshire's a weird one because you... Yeah. Uh, Space between Liverpool and Manchester. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was called Warrington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're called the Woollybacks or something. I don't know. Um, Dodsey goes, evening, Mr. Khan. And he spells it right, so he gets his question read out. He says, how much of Ted Lasso have you all watched? It really is good. No. You watched it, Paul, Ted Lasso? No. <coughs> no. Kills, kills this question because <laughs> he says his mate based on David Moyes as he's dislikes as well oh, he says are you missing Sean and he said a little bit mm, oh, I've spoke to him today so not as much as I thought I would and with that in mind uh, Andy was still bleeding annoying me from Rome um, what is the weirdest thing you miss from Upton Park uh, Dodsey says here's his Gary from Oles up his ladder always a great place to meet yeah um, what do you miss do you miss anything from Upton Park who me oh yeah I fucking miss everything yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was pro move too pick, pick one thing um, just the intimidating atmosphere at times mm. when we needed it just mm. to sort of actually just really that despite the the tr- triggers booming broom analogy of four different um well it, it wasn't it was only two different no probably only one different stand for when I first went for the first time it was still the same place that my dad took me to mm. And I don't have that anymore. Yeah, and that that hurts a bit, actually. Can for you... all the for all the people that you know, they can take their kids. Would you go back football. there, Lynn? Oh, in heartbeat. No, not to watch football. Would you go back there and look at the flats? And well, well I have an eye. Yes, you. Uh, have, um, yeah. you know, that weren't great. I know. mean, I drive past there three times a week on average. Yeah, still. I don't um, recommend anyone going back. Actually, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, 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 I mm, yeah, I don't. Have know, you been actually. back, Paul? Uh, as I said at the start, of this the plan is to go and have a walk around the Easter and take the boy and show him some of the places we yeah. used to live. So I'm going to pop in the bowling, which has had a a makeover. Have a meal, yeah, very nice. Yeah, 
lovely name, it really is. Yeah, I saw something about it being named one of the prettiest pubs in the country. Uh, pretty wasn't really my association with it from West Ham days, but it always Spend has a lot been of money to make it that pretty. Yeah. But yeah, interesting just to see what's become of the place. And yeah. there's still elements around, like a popping new and bookshop as well. Things yeah, like asking what the deal is. Yeah, take your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, what do I miss from Upson Park? Blimey. But do, do you know, I must admit, I think I, mi- I missed the walk because um, I think I missed the walk, the walk to the ground. I missed, you know, vendors outside as well. Yeah, I didn't to, think I'd miss them as much as I thought. Yeah, turning, turning little pubs, the corner. Uh, what the thing with? I think the, as well, the Barking Road is, is like a, a a vein through my life. Um, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it's like. Because it, it, it's weird because I grew. I grew up my family were market traders at the bottom end um, so I spent a lot of time walking up and down the Barking Road and then going football as a kid I had to walk up the Barking Road and I did it and my first jobs um, my, well not my, my first job was a milk boy funny enough Canning Town my second job and then my first uh, um, my second actual real paid job were both on the Barking Road so I could walk I would walk past the solicitor's office where I worked as a postboy, walk past the locksmith shop where I did um, most of my apprenticeship, you know, and then up past where my mum's family had their shop on the corner of Inniskilling Road up by the bowling where my mum grew up. So it's it's um, it's quite strange in a way. Um, but, yeah, I think I've missed the walk um, though I do still drive there um, and Dodsey then goes how can West Ham announce tickets allocations for Australia one week ahead of the European <laughs> tie in Belgium that's <laughs> always Len Brady out Brady out Brady out Paul <laughs> I'm not a fan of Brady <laughs> but Feel free to join in. So um, I I'll try and see the best in people. Oh. My thing for her is, you know, Paul Pesky Salido, and I think it probably goes back to my dad's Fulham connections. Good, solid bloke. If he can put up with her, then there's got to be something. Yeah, it's left and right, Paul. <laughs> I think I think if I was Paul Pesky, you know, that's all I'd play with. Anyway, Paul Sanders, the old... Colonel's back. This is here we go. As here a long time season ticket holder, I rather like them and giving up my season ticket. I've travelled from Oxfordshire for over thirty years, twelve as a season ticket holder, and I've threatened every year since the move I wouldn't renew. Only for the last two seasons to keep me on the hook. He says finally I've had enough of being treated like a customer, not a fan. And I'm giving up. Now his question is, which is good because it is question time, people. What do I do now on a Saturday? He says he's anticipating Saturday kickoffs in the championship. Ha ha ha, we ain't going down, Paul. He says, I will still go a few times a season, it's in the blood. 
but I can't give the poison dwarf for the Tory business failure my season ticket money anymore. We'll yeah. listen every week though. What will he do? You got any ideas, Paul? What would you tell Paul? What should he do? What do you do? Do you local non league football? There you go. Get down and support them. Community clubs feel like a fan rather than a customer. Yeah. Not so not Oxford United, Paul. What are the local teams around there? Maybe Tame, maybe. I don't know what part of Oxford is. is. Um, Whitney, maybe. Um, I don't know. That's a posh place, Whitney. Um, I don't know. They've got a football club, but maybe. Uh, Everywhere's got a non-league football club. Yep. Um, So you got? Can what? (laughs) What about joining you, Len? What are you gonna do with your Saturdays when you're not gonna come with me? Painting. <laughs> Painting. But you could do that on Sunday. Yeah, every fucking day, mate, if I could. Well, you could do. Yeah, you don't, you know, you, you don't really want to paint, do you? Yeah. <laughs> not, you not? not constantly, do you? Um, I would... <laughs> painting is a bit like... The only way I can paint, talk about painting to people who don't paint is... If you've ever played football manager and, and realised it's three o'clock in the morning... And you wondered where the time gone. It's a bit like that. Oh, so I kind of, yeah, I'd, I'm, I would happy to be a reclusive painter. I'd be very happy doing that. Listen, look, I love painting. People love me paintings. More can you want? But I mean, I won't. All I feel like I'm going to be missing out on is the journey into town and have any, everything rubbed into my face, mm. Paul Sanders. So, I mean, I don't really... I could still fill it, up, fill it up with the same things rather than go down there. I could go down the pub, have a couple, and get, you know, get back for one minute past three to watch it on the Woody Box. Sounds like a dream to me. Yeah. Because I don't really like all the... the all the build up before it anymore, I think that's contrived right up until the kickoff. They'll fit any any bit of preaching or ideology in. I'm sick of all of that. So, you know, I don't have to put up with that anymore. So now I'm looking forward to it. Mm. I mean I've definitely done a season too long. I mean, Father Chris can't go to the Newcastle game now. Um and the first thing I thought of is, like, oh, I might not go. Now, I'm actually looking forward to not going rather than going. Because that's how bad I think it is there. Because that's what, it, you know. No, it's funny because the Newcastle game clashes with me going to see only fools and horses. Now, oh, yeah. in the past. Yeah, you'd have never done that. No, I'd, and I've done it where I've gone, oh, sorry, elbowed. Um, you know, what w- was planned to go to the game, birthdays and other stuff like that. Even at the point I was working away once and drove back, watched the game and drove back to work. Um, so yeah, but now it's like oh, they've moved the Newcastle game to only fools and horses. Oh well, there you go, I miss a game. Um, so I get it, P- hmm. Paul. You know, I get it. It ain't. 
I've become one of those fans I never thought I'd be, which is walking in at five past kickoff, whatever time they do it, you know, where before I had to be in my seat um, 15 minutes, half hour before kickoff, getting a program every game. Now, I won't buy, I'll buy a program out of a charity shop when they go in now. Um, I'm just not, just not doing it, not doing it um, anymore. Uh, they get the bare minimum out of me, but I have to go because it's a drug, unfortunately. Mm. Very badly cut drug. Yeah, yeah. It's not. But you know. Yeah, it's 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 not the um, it's not the the no. best of of uh, of um. No. Right, we've had a, a couple more coming. Uh, he says, maybe not. Tom Devlin. He says, with the grief of getting travel to the away fixtures in Europe cost available. Don't you think it'd be a good idea and a gesture by the club to chart an appropriate amount of flights so that fans don't have to panic buy anything they can get extortionate prices, therefore making the experience a lot less stressful, allowing to bring the enjoyment it should. Um, yeah. Tom, I don't know if you heard a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out we've got an official airline. Yep. Either air. I believe they do own airplanes, um, even though I think they generally flight between here and Africa there's a bit of me that thinks we well, couldn't we say to them chuck us a couple of planes that we can take out um, and I know the club I, I think they did that for Palermo they, 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 the fans or they, it was done through Utopia Travel so but I, I know the club used to advertise it so I don't know if it was private it was run by a bloke called Kevin who used to run Utopia Travel so I don't know um, quite how far it would go, but I think it's bonkers that the the club just leave you to your own devices. It would be easier to control as well with the ticketing. If you've got a ticket to the game, you can buy a flight. So if you've got a ticket to the game, you can pay two hundred fifty quid and get on this plane, and they've got control of it. Oh, I, I haven't given them an idea. Dear, oh dear. Uh, it's next, a sensible idea, though. Oh no, yeah, there you go. That's me, Captain Sensible. <laughs> <laughs> um, last up on on Facebook is Grant Croxford, uh, another oh, Grant. Oxfordshire man, the old carrot cruncher himself. Um, you're not too late, mate. He said, "Would Nigel consider the championship winning trophy an actual trophy?" Ah. Would he consider the Which championship? Well, yeah, I think I'd consider winning. I considered. Oh, I don't know actually. I mean, do, do I mean as much as I celebrate the fact that we won the Division Two trophy in nineteen eighty one with a record amount of points, yeah, and that we come up as champions in nineteen fifty eight, it's not something you stick around your stadium, is it? No, no. So. It, I think it's something to be celebrated, Grant. But I, I, it's, I, I mean, I think it goes down on your honour sheet, um, Division Two champions. It's not a major trophy, and I would rather win that than the playoffs. If I'm being yeah. brutally honest, um, the losers' cup, as I like to call it. I'd agree with that. A great invention, the playoffs, and that day at Wembley or Cardiff, as it has been in the past, is obviously a 
a good one. But yeah, it's far better to actually win the championship, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like the difference between the Premier League winning the actual thing and getting the Champions League place. It's obviously you want to win it. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're right in that it's not a We need a bad day before. Before that happens, we need a bad day, don't we, really? So I don't really want to think that far ahead. Well, we need to get relegated before it happens. All the fun of the fair, though, isn't it? Depends what fair it is. Yeah. All right, so someone's back because they've been writing. Um, sorry, I'm just looking through Twitter, but I have to wade through. <laughs> um, da, 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 da. A lot of stadium chat on my life. Uh, um uh, this is not good, isn't it? Oh no, um, that's not, 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 not. He does ask a question. Here we go. Uh, Sean loves Brady on Twitter. <laughs> says, Sean loves Brady. I'll, I'll have a look later. Oh, oh, hold up. Sean loves Brady. He's got. He's following no one. There's no followers. Oh, this is a, an account. <laughs> so, Sean loves Brady on Twitter. <laughs> Says as one of my local employees, can Nigel email Dave Sullivan to chase up my Tesla charging point request? Oh, at the you London can stadium? you know who this is? All oh, right, in the bald parking area, of course. Brady for fake tax. Brady for fake taxi. Dear, oh dear, I'm not even sure I'd watch that one. Thanks. Uh, there you go. I fell for it. It's a parody. Well, I don't know what it is, um, yeah. but there you go. Uh, next up, definitely not a parody. Uh, is Dan thirty one sixty forty three forty? Sure, right. Uh, March twenty seventh. <laughs> He's had to wait a while for this question. Uh, does West Ham's answer to reach and he uh, have anything on the FA investigation into the Roberto Pellegrini match fixing? Oh, Did you hear about fine. that? Yeah, I've seen that. That was fantastic, wasn't it? Do you not think? Fantastical. Fantastical. I'll I'll explain um off air. It got it got better for me, to be honest. Oh did it? Oh yes. It did. Strange woman, isn't she? <laughs> Starts a fight, fucking Starts a fight, yeah. writes in me on me on on DM and then yeah. like blocks me. Yeah. So you think you can't reply and then other people are sending me messages to actually show how mad she is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but he well, has I've, got... I've suffered at the hands of. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, you never know. I'm, I'm. I'm. I might see one on a away day. There, there. At the front. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. I mean, you have to wonder which of the three Cinderella. <laughs> I mean, the old ones always the best ones. <laughs> I know Paul likes to see the best in everyone. <laughs> Paul, me and you are very different animals. <laughs> Take so so. <laughs> Sorry. Every time I look at him now, I'm going to be guessing. Oh, dear. Question for Len. What will finish first? HS2 or Nigel's Kitchen? That is slander, Dan. Brady out. <laughs> Brady out. I'm telling you now, I'm determined to finish my kitchen for HS2. But we'll, we'll have an update because Easter weekend, apparently I'm really busy. Though I, I will be at Fulham. <laughs> The wife don't know yet. Um, Re- Mark Repo, Kevin. Uh, I don't think he's got the hang of it because he's got a question for Dodsey. But anyway, Dodsey 
is going to listen so you can answer. As a frequent flyer on European away trips, can Dodsey rate his away day expeditions based on red light entertainment districts? <laughs> says, I am. I think I might have started that one. So Brady out. Brady out. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put that to Dodsey because um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he can, Mark. Put um, that in the way they round up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be asking him to, to to tell us about the delights of of, of Genk. Yeah. Um, and uh, thus endeth uh, Facebook, Twitter question time for this week. And that's the end of the show, Paul. Um, you made it, Paul. Well done. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You didn't go too hard on the... Uh... The Brady Sullivan stuff. I was expecting worse, quite frankly. Oh, we couldn't give worse, Paul. You, you haven't listened to the podcast, then. <laughs> if, if, if you want. Yeah. We can do worse. Um, Where's the exit button? I just, yeah, I just think you probably... Because uh, um, you've been a good sport, I think, for, for coming on. Because, as you know, I did messenger to tell you that, that actually... Um, uh, uh, once I'd got into the book, I was like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons why I sent you a copy. Oh, I, pre- you know. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So uh, um, hindsight is a wonderful thing, and we'll see where we stand in years to come. Yes, it, 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 it. Look, it's it's one of them things where, and one thing I do say is obviously I, I don't know. You know, Ocean White and Overland and Sea at the same time that you started your blog, so I can look back from around 2011, 2012. And well, I, I started writing. I think in whenever and Grant became manager, so twenty eleven. Um, and and I used to defend defend Avram, To be I honest, was going to say good appointment because I remember having an argument with a guy yes. in the football team. Yeah, where I I disagreed. Wasn't a fan of Avram. Oh, right. Well, I didn't think it was that bad an appointment on paper because <clears throat> no, it on took, paper no, it took Portsmouth to the cup final. Um, yes, he'd lost it, but Portsmouth were going down, so he'd done well. Um, it, it took over at Chelsea halfway through the season and got them to the Champions League final, though Chelsea fans will have you believe it was John Terry that done that now. <laughs> um, you know, so I yeah, thought... It was a bit of pedigree, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And, um, Cup you, pedigree, which is the top yes. team we felt we were. And, and actually, the man, I think, won more Cup games than he did in the league. Yeah. Um which perhaps tells you all we need to know realistically. Um, but hey-ho, he is the worst now for me. But um, yeah, it was. It's, it's a, it is a good book. And it, it does tell, a, I think it tells the story well, in my opinion, from probably how I've, I see it. A lot of fans fault and then you sort of, you can see your mind changes Partly, I would say. Um, you, you, you're yeah. probably not as, as you say. You, if you like to see the best in people, you've, you've not come. <laughs> I try, but yeah, yeah. You, 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 you're probably a nice person, and you don't have the abject hatred in you that perhaps some of us have. Yeah, um, I do see where it comes from, though. Yeah. I empathise. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it, and let us know how you feel this week's um, uh, propaganda. Um, yep. We we are open to do more. I've got a couple of names um, in the app that I'll sit down with Len and hopefully we'll get them over the line for you and see where we go. 
But until now, next week, podcast back as usual. And um, oh, and football's back. And football's back, yeah. Oh, football's back. Let's we never mentioned the football. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot. Prediction, Southampton. Paul, you first. What are we doing? I'm going with an optimistic 2-0. Win? Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we going on noise out? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jay, what are we doing? I think, you remember the other, uh, after that Brighton game, I said, I think it's worse. I don't yeah. think we fit the bottom. Sunday afternoon's the bottom. All right. We're losing. Yeah, you think we'll lose South Africa? And it's really going to kick off. Okay. Not literally in the ground. All right. Well, no, the if, tone if, well, yeah. of the fans, I think it's going to kick off. All right. Well, as as with the um, European game, Larnaca, uh, I predicted that the um, a five nil smashing. Um, I, I won't go that far, but no. I will think a three nil tanking is on the cards, people. You do? I do. Southampton will get their asses kicked. Um, we'll, we'll be sitting in 15th place come what Sunday evening and um, we'll be wondering what all the fuss is about. Well, the, it's funny because the, it is, this is how critical the game is. But for fan mood and carrying it right through the end of the season, Sunday's game is so critical. Yes. Un, un, 100%, undoubtedly, it's a must-win game. And Absolutely. I don't always, and you know me, I was like, well, there's always, you know, but this, this is a must-win game. Not just because, it, it actually, even if we lose, we could still get out of it. Yeah. I just think the psychological hours, damage yeah. that yeah. will be done to yeah. the, the fan base, towards the, the, the management and those that run the club and the players and everything else, it will fracture open badly. Yeah. And at least it will give Nick something to talk about, though. Anyway, yeah. other than people saying the pubs. Until next time, thanks for listening, people. And we'll play you out. Yay! Getting to know you, having a good nose about you. Having a gander, looking at what makes you tick. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 